I'm joined by my co-host, the uh, cantankerous Creole <laughs> Clover. Hi. Um, so, Ho in the Know is a podcast about sex work by sex workers and for sex workers. Woo-hoo. Today, we are joined by two veterans of the hustle, Antonia Crane and A.M., who are here to talk about their work in Soldiers of Pole and the movement for labor rights for strippers. Yeah. Yes, so, yes. Th- thank you both so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. Yes, absolutely. So I could go on and on about you two because you have very lengthy resumes. You have been <laughs> in it for decades. Um, so just I'm going to just cursory go over it. So Antonia has been dancing for over two decades. She is an activist, author of the memoir Spent, director of Soldiers of Pull, one of the directors, and a professor at UCLA. And uh, A.M. has been a stripper for 17 years. She was Entertainer of the Year for Spearmint Rhino, and she is the director of Fistful of Steel, a film on pole dance. She is on the board of directors for Soldiers of Pole as well. She is also the director of United Pole Artists. So that is a fucking mouthful, you guys. (laughs) So much incredible work, and I cannot be more thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. So every episode, we begin with a segment called Historical Hoes to tap into our hoe history. And this week, I could not be more excited to honor the sickeningly phenomenal Janet Mock. I got my information from The Guardian, Wiki, and Janet Mock herself. She's written extensively about her time as a sex worker, and you can actually check out the, her own words at JanetMock.com. So, Janet Mock is a writer, television host, director, producer, trans rights activist, and so much more, and you probably know her work from Pose or Orange is the New Black, um, or maybe even her work on So Popular on MSNBC. Janet was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. She chose the name Janet after Janet Jackson. In secret, she began her transition as a freshman in high school, funding it by earning money as a sex worker in her teens. She says, quote, body image issues were urgent matters and there was no waiting for those things. I needed them now. I mean, that's such a relatable sentiment (laughs) whenever you're a teen and like you need everything immediately. Especially bodily things like I need mascara now. And I mean, if if you have like body dysmorphia, (laughs) like time, like multiply that by a million. So uh, Janet worked as a full service sex worker and stripped to pay for her $17,000 surgery. She says, quote, I was 15 the first time I visited Merchant Street, what some would call, quote, the stroll for trans women involved in street based sex work. At the time, I had just begun medically transitioning, and it was where younger girls like myself, or my friends and myself, would go to hang out, flirt, and fool around with guys and socialize with older trans women, the legends of our community. She says, quote, it wasn't all bad, and it wasn't all good. None of it was glamorous, but some of the girls were glamorous. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very relatable, I think. Uh, There is like a, the way that sex work is depicted is quite glamorous at least sometimes that or it's like you know kind of the worst yeah (laughs) like 
in an alley in the gutter or some kind of thing. It's like either those two extremes and not too much like in the middle. But um, there's definitely some very glamorous people, some glamorous working girls. Uh, she says, I perceive the sex trades as a rite of passage, something a trans girl had to do in order to make the money necessary to support herself. I also learned f from media, our laws, and pop culture that sex work is shameful and degrading. Though I yearn to be among women like myself, I also judge them for doing work that I swore at 15 I, would ne I could never do. The work and those women didn't fit my pedestal perched Claire Huxtable portrait of womanhood. <laughs> Yet my economic hurdles were real and urgent and I couldn't deny that witnessing the women of Merchant Street take their lives into their own hands empowered me. Watching these women every weekend gathered in sisterhood and community, I learned firsthand about body autonomy, about resilience and agency, about learning to do for yourself in a world that is hostile about your existence. She has like a million amazing things to say. Um, I'm going to continue reading some more quotes because Janet Mock is the best at speaking for herself. Um, so here's another quote. Multilayered systemic oppressions are stacked up against trans women from low income and our communities of color. So the sex trade became a road well-traveled, helping trans women alleviate financial woes while also making many of us feel desired as women through an objectifying male gaze. Women who are taught that we are undesirable and illegitimate. So a stat says about 50% of black and 34% of Latinx and 16% of Asian trans people have made a living in underground economies, including sex work, as compared to 11% of white trans people. Um, and that's like a, a report in Injustice at Every Turn, a report of the National trans Transgender Discrimination Survey. Um, so she also had a foray into porn, and she only made uh, $1,500, which is the only thing that she uh, says that she regrets um, working in the field of sex work. Um, so she underwent sex reassignment surgery uh, in Th Thailand at the age of 18, right in the middle of her first year of college. And uh, actually, Mok says there was a great support network among sex workers. Quote, the girls felt safe there. We took care of each other. You showed up. You knew who was there and how long she's gone. We weren't doing it in isolation. Now sex work has gone online, so you're by yourself all the time. I think this is like kind of specific to full service sex work, to be honest, because as strippers, like we have a very strong sense of community and we do notice like what happens if somebody doesn't show up and we keep tabs on each other and a lot of like we'll deal with trauma as a kind of group I've, I've personally experienced, especially like dealing with substance abuse or dealing with partner abuse, other like things like um, housing issues and all of that. There is like a stronger sense of community, I think with strippers. And I think it is because we are doing sex work in person. And I think whenever you go online, you do kind of miss that. So um, noted. Definitely. Um, so last thing <laughs> she says, is, I do not believe using your body, often marginalized people's only asset, especially in poor, low-income communities of color, to care for yourself is shameful. What I find shameful is a culture that exiles, stigmatizes, and criminalizes those engaged in underground economies like sex work as a means to move past struggle to survival. So shout out to Janet Mock, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Girl.
I met her. She was a keynote speaker at um, She Recovers that was in Beverly Hills a few months ago, and I wrote about that experience. And she's just such a lovely, warm, wonderful spokesperson for her community. She's it's beautiful and sweet. So powerful. Yeah. So we are here because we are in the midst of a labor movement. How are you doing, Clover? I'm okay. Do yeah. I look weird? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> you look adorable. You look adorable. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. What up, Clover? Um, so we're here to talk about the labor movement, specifically what's going on in California. Um, but before we go dive into that subject, we have a couple of event announcements. So, Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Antonia, could you like go into it and uh, AM, please just let us know what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we should talk about raising hell first, don't you? Yeah, yeah, so, if you want to do that, because I know yeah. Lambda's before that. So well, do you but we really hell? want strippers to yeah. come to raising hell and awareness. Let's talk about it together, yeah, and then I'll talk so about Lambda. Raising hell is on September 30th, yeah. and it's a show that we're doing, um, hosted with Jack, Jack the, the Stripper. Jack the Stripper, yeah, everyone. So it's a really big deal, and it's all about raising awareness and, um, you know, yeah. bringing up the... Trying to educate strippers and and other people about what's actually happening here in Southern California, so. and doing it in a really fun celebratory way. Exactly, because it will be World Pole Day. It yeah. is World Pole Dance Day and on so September thirtieth. We yes. are actually having pole dancers that are very incredible in their field, and we're also having strippers and sex workers yes. together, all genders. It's all genders, very diverse. very diverse group, yeah. bodies, ages, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. race, all of it. I mean, we're yeah. covering the gamut. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be so fun. Very exciting. And guess who's one of our performers? Oh. Huh? It's me. That's exactly. <laughs> Selena the stripper on your dad's zipper. Yeah. And oh, AM, the queen of sexy, yes. is going to be performing. Queen of sexy will be there. Yes. There will be some surprises. Yes. yes. Which are going to be really fun. Some so, very exciting surprises. Yeah, it's at yeah. the Federal Bar in North Hollywood on Monday, September 30th. Um, doors open at 730. 7.30. Show, show starts at 8. At eight. So yes. get your ticket now. You can do it super easily. You can go on our Instagram, soldiers of pole underscore, soldiers underscore pole of, of underscore pole underscore. You can also go to soldiers And it'll be in the bio for website. this episode. This will be in the info for the episode. Um, awesome. Yeah. So you can find more information there. And it's a fundraiser and a celebration. And so it's going to be fun, and we're also going to talk about in a light way it's and a, a deep way. Fundraiser. A fundraiser. <laughs> fundraiser. Yeah. Um, so be ready to spend money. Bring dollar bills. We're going to have merch. Bring twenties. Bring twenties. We're going to auction off certain things that we're not going to talk about at this moment. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Very and so exciting. Then, on the 27th, which is a Friday night, uh, it's Lambda Lit Fest right now, which is the queer um, literary festival that we have in L.A. It's community-based. It's every year it grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm actually moderating a panel called uh, Survival of the Femist. Oh, I love that. Queer Sex Workers Unite. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, it's also, again, very diverse. We have a lot of pro-doms who are incredible artists, and we have strippers, and we have sex workers. Um, and, you mean uh, full-service sex workers? Full-service sex workers mm-hmm. and sex worker, comma, strippers. <laughs> for sex all sex strippers, workers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And pro-doms and uh, just a huge variety of people. And we're going to be talking about the gendered experience of sex work. 
as well as a lot of other things. We're actually not taking questions from the audience. <laughs> oh, okay. No yeah. questions from the audience for that particular event. Right. So the panelists are going to have sent me their questions, and we are actually going to ask each other questions. Oh, I love nice. this. So it's going to be really cool. Yeah. I'm really excited. It's going to be at the Masonic Lodge, and it's free, and there's an open bar. And this is the Masonic Dang. Lodge at the Hollywood, Hollywood Forever. Forever Cemetery. So that's Friday. So, uh, I mean, if you guys are in L.A., like, and you've never been to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, this is an awesome opportunity. It's one of the most fun places. It is. And it's also, like, about that. It's uh, the spooky season has it begun. Is. So It's a sacred place. <laughs> it is. It's the a great Masonic place. The Masonic Lodge. Um, yeah, it's, I feel like we're going to join the Illuminati, but also uh, break down <laughs> some stigma. Definitely. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you guys. So just to clarify, uh, Lambda Lit Fest is on the twenty seventh, and Raising Hell is on September thirtieth. Yes, that's a Friday night and then a Monday night. Yeah, yeah. and I will put all of the details for this if you are interested in the bio. And we are going to drop this episode earlier than we typically do. Typically, we release episodes on Thursdays, but we're going to serve it up a little early so that you guys can uh, attend the event. So uh, please check this out. Y'all are ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we got to stay ambitious, stay hungry. Definitely. <laughs> um, okay, you guys. So all right, let's do it. Let's, let's do it all. Let's get into some of these questions. So suddenly all over the place, including major news networks like MSNBC, NPR, and CNN, uh, they're using the term sex worker. And instead of like the typical epithets like hooker, or prostitute, or... Um, horror, things like that. And it seems like it kind of happened overnight, but you guys have been in this industry for decades now, so this is, I want you to tell us, how long has this been going on? How long has the movement been in motion, and what have you noticed? Well, the sex term sex worker is from the 70s. It's not new at all, mm -hmm. and actually we've been talking about using the term sex worker since the 90s. It's just now kind of catching hold. And so mm -hmm. I just want to say that it's not new. We've been trying to get people to change over for many decades, actually. And so they're finally uh, doing that now more and more, which is great. It's not necessarily a political word, but it has political components. Mm -hmm. The most important is just that we stand together as a workforce. And that means that we experience certain things as a workforce in the adult industry together. And so it's really important to not use carceral terms, which means what the cops uh, say when they pick you up off the street. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a decriminalization effort in using the term sex worker instead of the, one, the other terms that generally are what cops use to criminalize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so maybe Anne-Marie has more to say about that. Oh, AM has more to say about that. Uh, you can call me Anne-Marie, but I just prefer AM. It's not like you're breaking any rules <laughs> or anything. Um, uh, do I have something to say about the term? Yeah, I mean, I think that even though it's been in existence since the 70s and that they've been trying to kind of switch the terminology over, it's just taken society a really long time to figure that out. And, mm -hmm. like, even amongst sex workers themselves, they're still using labels and and terms such as prostitute to label a group of people to like kind of separate themselves. Mm -hmm. I feel like as like a stripper, like back when I was a baby stripper, it was really important to me that people understood like what my boundaries were and what I would and wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. But I was more naive. And now that I've been more educated, I'm a lot more open minded. I'm like, oh, that was actually not the proper way to think about, um, you know, people who 
do full service sex work and even you know just in a conversation today someone was using the term like oh like it's gotten dirtier in the strip clubs I'm like that's Uh, a term I used to use as well too and that's Mm. not really like that's not a really safe term that's Mm -hmm. actually a very dangerous term Um, and so like I you know I I phrased my answer in a way where I wasn't like trying to make her be wrong but Mm -hmm. I was also letting her know like we can't talk about our Mm -hmm. our sisters and our siblings this way because yeah Yeah. um, you know, it's just work and, and it's, you know, yeah. that's an improper term to use. Right. And I think by trying to divide ourselves from yes. them, we're not doing anyone any service. In, In fact, it's it's harmful. Like, yes. as, a, as a teacher and a journalist, you have to think about who am I harming by using this word? Exactly. And who it harms is when you use words that separate you from I and separate us, that causes harm. Right. And what we want to do is share this space together. And that is what coalition building is all about right. at its heart, is how can we share this space together Mm -hmm. and how can we talk about our work in a way that I can hear you and you can hear me I'm hearing your concerns and we're standing together as sex workers facing the larger system of oppression racism, wage theft and all of that together so this is actually a really important thing to be talking about in Mm -hmm. this room because we're going to stand together and we're going to use a word together people can call us strippers I'm fine with that but I also try to make clear to every journalist I talk about that I I call myself a sex worker, a stripper, comma, sex worker, Mm -hmm. just so that I can join everyone into this conversation with us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. I mean, like, what are the harms? I mean, aside from like the obvious uh, tying of like incarceral language, um, but also to like use those kinds of terms that we like that are obviously quite derogatory and to also like kind of impose this respectability politic Mm. onto um to create these divisions within sex workers like how is that how does that affect things like what are the negative repercussions of that action oh well i think i i would ask you what are the negative repercussions i mean i i mean it's clear that it causes us to judge one another it causes us to blame one another. Uh, It causes us to not look at the actual system that is ripping you off, stealing from you, exploiting you, harassing you, coercing you to sign (laughs) horrible contracts. Um, And as long as we are critiquing each other and, oh, what did you do last night? Oh, did you do this? Did you do that? As long as we're busy having those ridiculous conversations that are shaming conversations, we're not having the conversation that we need to have together as a group and looking at, okay, Let's face the system. Sorry, I talk with my arms. <laughs> How can we face the system? Like stand together and face the system and fight that because that is who's screwing you over. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, creating these like nitpicky uh, separations between us just really gets in the way of us harnessing our collective action powers. Said beautifully. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you find that is true with the women that you know and work with? I do think so. I think that because there is a stigma about people providing full service in like the like in the legal sex work industry of stripping specifically, I think that it is unfortunate and we don't see like the broader ways that management and clubs and the structure of clubs have been disadvantaging us and disenfranchising us as a group. Um, I think we're fighting the wrong fight, you know, like the fight isn't necessarily money because there's plenty of money, 
Like what we are not realizing is how that money is divided is the unfair thing. And the unfair thing is that most of the money goes to the clubs, whereas we maybe make like 50 percent of what we're actually bringing into the club. Mm -hmm. There's no way that the club needs to be taking 50 percent of what we are bringing in. So in some cases more. Exactly. Some cases more. It's exactly. 60 to 70. Yeah. yeah. It, Depending it, on where you're working. Totally. And I mean, yeah. that's not even counting house fees. So like people are right. like, we're really earning something like 40% of our earnings, 30% of like what we're actually bringing in at the end of the diets, which is obviously just such a miscarriage of justice. So for us to be like quibbling over hand jobs and blow jobs and right. who's like, you know, fucking who's customers. a dirty stripper who's and a right, dirty stripper right. is missing the point entirely, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that I definitely think that that is something that I see um, as so important to not try draw these lines. And I mean, like I've said mm -hmm. before, you know, like it, it, even if we go to the to the whole thing of like, well, you know, it's getting in the way of my bottom line. I, I always say, you know, customers have a type and uh, definitely they're, they're going to go for their type, even if she doesn't do everything that, you know, the uh, some person who does full service does. Yeah. Everyone does have a type. So, that is so true. you know, like we're not just <laughs> we're not just like, you know, holes. <laughs> no. I think that's what people kind of think is like, you know, the, so that's yeah. totally that's so dehumanizing. Exactly. Exactly. They think, oh, well, you know, she's offering that. So why would they pick me? Well, because you're a human and because we're humans and it's a human interaction. Yeah. Um, so why is the labor rights union or why is the labor rights movement important for strippers? Oh, my God. I love this question. <laughs> That's a big question, yeah. Um, it's important because we're being exploited in every way, shape, or form. You know, we've been having this discussion about these stage fees, mandatory tip-outs, for years. And the reason why it's vital right now that we have it again is because we're now employees in California. We not only passed, or not only did Dynamics pass in April of 2018, making it harder for workplaces to misclassify their workers, but... We are we now passed AB five, which holds it up and gives it strength. So the so it it gives it like pillars of strength. Could you kind of talk about Dynamics really quickly, like what uh, what happened and sure, Dynamics was a case. It was drivers, so you're aware of Teamsters and delivery people. Mm -hmm. So they were being misclassified, and so they were considered independent contractors. Now. As Americans, we love words like independent and contractors. Yeah. Those yeah, are words definitely. we jerk off to every day. Independent, yeah. independent. <laughs> yeah, but you have to know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Who doesn't like the word independent? Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, if you look at like steel workers, I'm a total geek, so I like have been studying labor labor for a long time, and like mm -hmm. the steel workers um, and people who are trying to organize and get the work week down to 40 hours, down to 40 hours, and not let their children work, and just, they were being beaten in the street <laughs> yeah. for this kind of yeah. stuff. Um, so it was considered a corporate win to be able to classify workers as independent, so that they, the employers didn't have to take care of them, didn't have to look after them, had no, um, didn't have to give them benefits like retirement, workers' comp, breaks, mm -hmm. vacation, maternity leave, and took away their collective bargaining rights. No collective bargaining rights. They can't even speak. So if you're an independent contractor, um, there's a law that says you cannot talk about the job while you're doing the job. 
You cannot talk about money while you're doing the job. In fact, the the whole building could be lit on fire during the thing that you're there to do as an independent contractor, and the owner doesn't have to do anything to you. He doesn't. Ha- he has no dog in that fight. Right. No, he, no. Right. So when I, when your employer says to you right now at the strip club, oh, it's way better if you're an independent contractor, it's absolute union busting tactics. Mm-hmm. Do not believe it. It is an absolute yeah, lie. Yeah, they're trying to trick you. I mean, the problem with that is like. I think broadly um, that with the changeover with AB5, which we'll get into in a second, is that there is no tooth to enforcing it to be uh, equitable, positive workplaces for dancers specifically because we're experiencing a lot of other predatory practices. Like we still see wage theft. We're having people, uh, their wages like are taken. So whatever their first hundred to four hundred dollars go to the club to quote unquote pay wages, mm-hmm. which is it. Like even just saying it out loud sounds it's illegal. ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. They wouldn't do that at any other job. Like Why a, is it okay to do it at yeah. ours? Yeah. What if you were a car washer and I was like, Hey, AM. Now that you're a car washer, guess what? The first ten cars you wash, not getting paid for it. <laughs> you're like. Whoa. Exactly. Am I allowed to use cuss words on this oh, show? Oh, you're fine. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. making sure. Yeah. So the dynamics decision was passed, and then you get into like, okay, so how is this law going to be implemented? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, in what other job is a law implemented in a way that punishes the worker? Yeah. Well, one without regulation. Strip yes. clubs have not been regulated Absolutely. for thirty years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. Elizabeth Warren said that workplaces that don't protect the workers, their business model is theft. Exactly. And that's what we're seeing on such a large scale with strip clubs across the country. Uh, yes, Absolutely. it is happening ap- everywhere. Everywhere. And so I they're mean, punishing the worker and making yeah, the worker yes. pay their wages. Exactly. And it's it's not as... And I think one of the misconceptions is like, oh, well, you know, these the club managers, like, they care about the club too. And if we start asking for wages, then it's going to come too much out of their bottom line. And then they won't be able to afford things. And... Yeah. Well, that's another way that they're trying to trick people is like, we're all a family. Don't you care about mm-hmm. what happens to us? Um, and, and this, if you demand this and that, it, it's potentially shut down the club and make things harder for us. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's not, not it at all. No. And I mean, it's like, we all know how much we make on average. And like, it's like assuming they're taking half of that. Like if we did some calculations, we could see that they are easily making their bottom line and more. Um, I would encourage anyone who really believes that to look up the owner of the club and look at how many homes they own and how many businesses they own. Mm -hmm. And just know when you come when you find that figure, know that you are paying their mortgage. Yeah. We are paying their mortgage, mortgages, plural. Mortgages, yeah. exactly. Plural. We are yeah. funding their business. You're funding their business. Yeah, and I've, they're treating I've you like been customers. to the, the owner of a strip club chain's like, oh, yeah? fifth house before. Yeah. Was that yeah. when you were, was that during your reign of terror when you were entertainment <laughs> yeah, of the was, year? Yeah, it was. It was during my reign what of happened? terror. What happened? I want to hear about that. <laughs> um, oh, the house, you mean? Oh, just yeah. like you're, yeah, going to the house. Oh, it was just because I was dating one of his family members at the uh, time. Mm-hmm. And so we like snuck away to like his like basically vacation home mm-hmm. on the river. And it was like this mansion with all these toys. And oh, they have mad money. Yeah. So millions. Money. And then they're millions. like, oh, Oh, this is, you know, this little effect, exactly what you're saying, affect our bottom line if we have to pay all these wages and all these, it's like, no, it won't, you know, and also one of the things that I've been finding is I'm going into these clubs, you know, because we go into them mm-hmm. 
a couple times a month to talk to the dancers and the clubs are dead and they're not doing dead anything to advertise. Fuck. I'm not seeing advertisements no. anywhere. And one of the things, and I hope I'm not going too off topic right now, no, it's, but no, one no, of no. the things that we're, so on we're noticing <laughs> is that they're, they're not advertising because they're making so much money off of the dancers. Yes. Yeah. And the dancers oh. essentially are being their, are their customers Yeah, right so why now. would they advertise? They don't right, care. Because mm-hmm. they know if we have 10 girls or 20 girls on shift, we're going to make our rent. Right. You know, so why do we need to advertise they're aware that the guys are coming in for you Uh and they're also charging you to be there Mm -hmm. so it's a win-win for them they don't care right you're their customer they're making money off of you and the customers that you're bringing in so this whole illusion move into the mic are you upset you look upset about what we're talking about (laughs) no okay (laughs) maybe Um, we should be we should all be upset i mean i am i am um but like so this whole illusion because like um, it's very advertised or like I think everyone talks about this whole shift from going from um, independent contracting to um, employment is um, all of the people who've been working have said it's like really like decreased the amount of money that they're earning so like every time also managers are also saying things like yeah it really sucks you all are getting paid a lot less um, now <laughs> no, it, it, yeah. it's, it's more you're getting your hourly Plus your dance wages. Yeah. They're stealing it's, from it that be money. More. Yeah. But yeah. the reason why they're making less is because the employers are stealing the money from the paychecks so from that they you. because they're making the dancers pay their own payroll tax. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's why you're making less as an employee, because they're stealing the money from you. And then they're telling you that it's better if you're not an employee because they know that they're stealing money from you. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. They would have you believe that you're making less because of this or that, but it is because they are And you are making stealing. less because they're stealing it from mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so how can we get strippers to wake up about this? Oh, and additionally, like, um, what you were saying earlier, because we were talking about this before we started recording, but, like, um, I was an employee in the first two clubs that I worked at, mm-hmm. and I was getting paid in cash rather than in checks. Right. Which is, like, another way that they're taking money um, and, like, keeping us from getting things like disability. And right now I'm injured, like, pretty pretty badly, and I can't yeah. work at all yeah. for, yeah. like... A couple months, probably. Yeah, yeah. AM knows about this. Let's talk about disability for a second, okay? I've been an I've been an independent contractor for 17 years working at strip clubs, and because I was misclassified and I was not treated as an employee and did not have the benefits that an employee does, I've never paid into disability, and I didn't know until recently that. If you're an independent contractor, you have to actively pay into disability insurance in order to have access to it later. So on December 18th of 2018, I was hit by a car while I was driving my motor scooter and the car smashed my foot in between the motor scooter and the bumper and on impact amputated all five of my toes and the ball of my foot. And when I applied for disability because I was told, oh, apply, apply, you're going to get so much money, they're going to pay you like $1,000 a month. Oh my God. I applied and they told me like, no, you don't qualify because you've never paid into this program. And I cried on the phone. Yeah. I cried because I, cause I knew how fucked up the situation was yeah. that that I should have been taken care of and I'm not, I never will be in that sense. And so as an employee, if once they pay your payroll tax and they pay into those benefits for you, you have that option later. 
to be able to be taken care of if you get hurt like I do. I'm permanently disabled now. And there's nothing that I can do about it as far as get compensated from the government from my job. That I was dedicated to that job and that career for 17 years and I get nothing from it now. And no respect. Like, that's a career. They dismissed you, too. Like, most people... Oh, my God. Like, most people... Like, don't even work at, like, millennials. Like, they say we only work, like, five years, you know? Like, work a job for five years and move on to another job. You worked in this industry for 17 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a career. And, and I, I think people it. really underestimate that, that that you can work this job for 17 years. You can work this job for 20 years or more, you know? like Yeah. And whenever you take that real number, like, people just don't understand, like the amount of dedication and that the years and that this is a career and that this is like a job yeah. that should be taken to be as legitimate as any other job yeah but any I wanna, of the, the other productions i also want to respond more to what am was saying oh, yeah, also because uh the fact that we're dancers over a period of years and then we get hurt and there's no compensation whatsoever and no attention given whatsoever by the club or management and we're just dismissed and replaced Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say that in what other possible field can you imagine like if you were a stunt person or a dancer or an actress a very physical job that an employer would never even imagine not giving you health care benefits workers comp base these are basic rights Mm -hmm. particularly for dancers because we use our bodies Mm -hmm. all night long Mm -hmm. seven hour shifts I used to work doubles constantly I used to I work like you know eight to ten hour shifts like all the time constantly overtime so like how is it that how (laughs) are we supposed to wrap our minds around that oh okay so other workers who use their bodies other like physical jobs that people have Mm -hmm. like movers like dancers like Mm-hmm. Any physical um, stunt people, yeah. uh, performers of any kind, you know that they're taken care of. You know that mm-hmm. they have workers' comp. Why have we not demanded this for so long when I know so many dancers that have had multiple neck surgeries, oh, multiple yeah. knee mm-hmm. surgeries, have gotten drunk, Hip twisted surgeries. their ankle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they just they have no... Oh way to recover from no. it mm-hmm. and they just i mean of course they do just treat us like a completely disposable workforce yep because yeah we don't have that labor protection right now and yeah and the other thing like what you were saying about workers comp is like the biggest thing is they have it been treating us like independent contractors but also now as employees uh like clover said they've been evading taxes mm-hmm. evading yeah. paying into taxes for funds for us to have like disability and things like that. So Clover, um, they're trying to manipulate you by handing you petty cash Mm. because they know they're violating labor codes and they know that it's wrong and they know that it's illegal and they know they're supposed to be paying you minimum wage and they're supposed to be taking out taxes and paying that themselves. It's their responsibility to pay you. And so they're just giving you petty cash. I also know, I think you worked maybe at the one one of the clubs we mentioned earlier, was there like a person who was like a middleman to come and collect your tips and so you had to wait until four in the morning and you were only given mm-hmm. a portion of those tips type of thing? Yeah, that was um, at the second club I was at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Right. So that is so illegal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that they took all of your dance money and like a third person who who knew just just some weird other person came, collected all of your money, brought it to the back of the room and then they divided it up mm-hmm. and then gave you like whatever, whatever percentage they portion. decided. Yeah. You know, they they're choosing what to mm-hmm. give you. But yeah. you yeah. produced. Why are yeah. they able to do that? How are we allowing and when I say allow, let me just say allow again. We are allowing mm-hmm. men to do this to mm-hmm. us, and we don't have to anymore. We're employees now. Mm-hmm. We can fight against this. I mean, it's definitely hard to not kind of stay in the victim mentality whenever, at every turn, we are kind of treated as victims in it, like treated like the way that media talks about it and also yeah. the way that our managers treat us as, you know, um, something that they need to take care of or, you know, like they need to guide us or it's like a, it, they think that, you know, like, oh, you can trust me. Like, I'm your friend, your manager. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're really good at that. They are good at that. Mm-hmm. And if you try and stand up for your rights, then you're going against the family. They will yeah, problematize they really you. manipulate you emotionally. Like, they mm-hmm. kind of act like, oh, like, we're here for you, like, sweetie, darling. Like, you they know, have, like... They have trainings. Mm-hmm. They have been trained on how to talk to you about how to sign your contracts. Mm-hmm. I've, I have a, f- a friend on the inside who's told me that there are manager meetings and trainings where they teach them how to talk to dancers when they're signing contracts, when they're asking to look at contracts, when they're asking questions. They have been trained how to talk to you and how to treat you to keep you in the system and to keep you believing what they want you to believe. They yep. have trainings. Mm. Yep. That's and the way we know this also is that they're all doing the same thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, God. It's just... Do, do the DJs have DJ voice trainings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why do they all talk like that? Yeah. <laughs> How does this happen? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, it's pretty horrific. Um, yes, and <laughs> it is. It yeah. is horrific. You're right. Um, Antonia, you worked at The Lusty Lady, which we did a little yes. historical hoe segment on before, but you lived this history. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. Could you, like, kind of talk about what it was like to be part of that effort? And, sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, I talk about this a lot, and I've talked about it in a lot of different places, so I yeah. just want to, like, bear myself, lie bare in a safe place with yeah, other workers and providers um, and say things I've never said before, which is that, um, you know, we were scared, too. People, when they like to dismiss the lusty, and I really think it's resistance in the form of laziness, um, that they're like, oh, well, that was just the special time. It was just this liberal bubble. It was behind glass. It wasn't a real strip club. It was This was just a certain time. It'll never work again. Nonsense. We were absolutely terrified. And the managers were women who were ex-dancers. We had a good relationship with them, and we still had to fight them. And they did everything that you're talking about, just infantilizing us and treating us like children, saying, oh, you know, it's not a big deal that you're dancing completely nude with your, you know what, this tiny, like half an inch close to a face and a camera is recording you behind mm-hmm. glass that you can't see, and, and who knows where that's like going. And this was even, like, back in the day before we had, like, you know... Social media. Uh, social media, and we didn't yeah. have, you know, like, camera phones and stuff the totally. same way. It was, like, people coming in with a camcorder. Huge camcorder, yeah. We would see the red lights. No way. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, my we God. We would see the red light of the camera, and we asked management, you know, hey, they're coming in and they're recording us. This is 1995. 
And uh, so we didn't know what that meant or what would happen with that footage. But I also want to say that this was before call-out culture and before Mm. people were very wide open about what they did. And we were a group where people were teachers, mothers, in custody battles. Mm -hmm. The stigma right now is bad. It was very bad then also. People would get their kids taken away if their partners found out, ex-partners, that they were dancing naked. I mean, that's still a problem. Huge, and I mean, like you know, continuing employment. I mean, we we hear about like teachers getting fired because they one time did a nude photo shoot or something. The stigma oh, is yeah. so intense. Yeah. I mean, it is so intense. It's an, and it's not been easier. It's never been easier. Yeah, teachers are getting fired from pole dancing, less. taking pole dance dance class. fitness classes, yeah. Wow. Yeah. and banned on mm-hmm. social media. And I want to get into that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so basically, back then it, we were, but we were very scared. We someone got fired. Oh, um, yeah, I think it was Summer or something. Summer got fired. Yeah, Summer yeah. was a, a single mom. or was she? she was a mom, generally, supporting yes. her child. Yes, and she got fired. We all walked out, um, and we had a no pink day where we wore underwear and things over our pussies. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, we would. Safe. It's like when you. Um, so a strike happens when like the product that you're being that you're working on. Let's say you work in a pencil factory. You just slow down the factory. You slow down the machines. You turn the machines off. Mm-hmm. That was our version of turning the machines off. Yeah. You just cover it. Yeah. And we walked out. We got her job back. But it was really scary. I mean, and, you like, guys mounted a general strike, which we is did. Like it's that is 1996. Yeah, I mean, like, that takes a massive effort and, like, level of commitment because you guys are committing to, like, taking that pay cut for the moment, you know? Yeah. You walk out and you don't get wages, but tell me, please, go on it. Well, there's a really funny story about that, actually. So, um, (laughs) because it's, and the, it's, dancers are very resourceful people. Mm. We are very resourceful and we have each other's backs. Yeah. And that's the message. Like, we have to have each other's backs. So Mm. we were super scared. And also, I don't want to take credit for the lusty because... It was these other women. They were 19 years old. They were super badass. And I got swept up in it. But I was not, like, on stage, like, yelling at the manager and walking off. I was just there when it happened. I was just like, yes, okay. All right, I'll do it. I'm with you. Because, like, it was the right thing. It was the right thing, you know, regardless of how I felt or if I was scared about money. So um, the funny thing is we had a lot. They locked us out of our work, which is a retaliation thing that they'll do. They'll Mm -hmm. just like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to lock the business. Like Uh if Spearmint Rhino, if we decided to walk out and they were like, oh, fine, you don't want to work here. We're going to lock it. So what we did is um, we had a client who was, um, I call him Mudman, and he was somebody's general, like, uh, regular. And we got in a Jeep and went to San Rafael, and he wanted us to um, pose in mud. And so we, we naked, we were all covered in mud. And like <laughs> making pyramids together, like climbing on each other. Oh my god! And he paid us like at least three hundred dollars each for like two hours in the mud. And there's this family photo that I want to find. That's all of us unionizers, oh, like covered in mud, and that's our family photo. That's amazing. And so I was washing sweet. mud out of my eyes and ears for like two days. But it was <laughs> so fun. So that has to do with like we had each other's backs. We were like, hey, let's go do this job. Like, I trust this guy. And it felt safe at the time. Yeah. And we went together. So that's nice. That's so really nice. I mean, that's so beautiful. And they locked you guys out for like three days mm-hmm. before. And yeah. then 
you guys were in negotiations for like five months or something. Yeah. Were you part of the negotiations? I don't. It's so fuzzy. I probably went to a couple of meetings, but mm-hmm. I was also like in a band, singing in a punk band, had this or that person and, I well, was dating. Well, that's understandable. <laughs> everybody, everybody has lives, you know. Yeah. I would. St- I went to a couple of the meetings, but you know, I want to say about the badass women who were sort of in charge of all of that stuff that they're all PhDs now. Wow. They're very impressive women. Mm-hmm. Very impressive women. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not that you know, not that you need to be educated to like be just as relevant and important, but that is still of course like, not. very important and so cool. But they did; they just made it happen. One became a lawyer, who was our and one, you know, multiple academics, and that that was a very life changing moment. And I say that not to say like, oh, everybody should get PhDs, but I will say that education does change lives, and that this moment is an educating moment in our lives, and we could change history right now mm-hmm. if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then you'll look back at this time, and it's like Black Lives Matter. It's like, where were you when this was happening? Mm-hmm. What were you doing with your life when this was happening? Yeah, are you were you a part of it? Or? Did you stand up? Mm-hmm. Did you unionize? Did you listen? Did you show up to a Soldiers of Pole meeting and listen? Were you with your sisters at this moment where we could have changed the whole course? And I was. I was there, and I stood with them, and I was there, and I'm proud of it. Do you feel like the demographics of the club have changed over the years? I think every club has its own demographic. When you say demographic, are you um, talking about dancers or clientele? I mean, dancers, dancers. The dancers? What do you think? I think every club has its own demo. uh, No, not necessarily. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that... There is definitely a new generation of strippers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when I started tripping, I was a new generation. Mm -hmm. And so I recall when I first started tripping saying like, oh, my God, I'm making $1,000 a night. Like, this is the bee's knees, you know. And some of the OG strippers were like, LOL, this is nothing. Mm. We used to make two grand a night easy. And mm. it was kind of, they were kind of a like, mm, good job, yeah, little baby, on the head. that you're making a grand. Well, now when I hear the younger strippers say, oh, $500 is a good night, I'm like, I want to pull my hair out. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. it should be $1,000 or more is mm-hmm. is an average night. Mm-hmm. 500 is like my nice minimum. No. Like, yeah, it's mm. not. Mm. Yeah. You know, and so that's why I'm mm. saying there's a new generation because I think that, um, you know, the sex work industry in general has changed over time and and that there's less money coming into the clubs. But also, also, I think that the clubs aren't doing enough to get people in the doors. And, they're and also, that's why I think yeah, it's changing. Definitely. And they're also like taking so much, too, you know, like and if, that, yeah. if we weren't getting, you know, our wages gouged, then exactly. you know, we would be making closer to like a thousand per night. Like everybody. Exactly. That's another that's mm-hmm. a good point. But the I've noticed, too, they're just more empty than they used to be. I think so, too. I mean, there's definitely a lot of like economic issues at, at work here. Sure. Yeah, but, I mean, if you do the numbers, which I think we should because strippers love money, if you really do the numbers and get out your calculator or cocktail napkin, if you put back 70% of the income that's being stolen, you will have made more like 1200 a night. Yeah. Yeah. I empathize with you, Lily. So, um, Lily is, like, writing in that she's a baby stripper and she hasn't made more than $200 in a night yet. That's, that's like, a good night for me, too. That's a shame. I mean, that's I'm shame. so sorry that that's happening, but, like, Antonia brings up a really good point. It's the wage that has increased over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I know that house fees... Here's the thing. They're, they've raised the prices on house fees, 
they they raise like pay out on dances and now they're charging for drink fees if you're not that happened during my um when i was tripping all of a sudden they're like okay now you have to pay for drinks that you're not selling but the dance Mm. the the amount of the dance the dances are 20 and 40 dollars where i was at that's never changed Right. They've not raised the prices of the dances to reflect, you know, inflation. They take more money, but they keep our prices the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And Makes that's no another reason why you're not making $1,000 a night like we used to is because they're charging you more and keeping the price the same. Why yeah. aren't the dances now 30 and $50? I mean, yeah. we're lucky we work at a club where the lowest dance price is fi- over $50. Yeah, but they take more than half of that. But they take, yeah, exactly. They're taking like, more than half of yeah. a $50 dance. We're taking, like, so in the end, of, with that dance, we get $25, like, of that single. So. No, it's wrong. That's you have so to do painful. something about that. That's so painful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no reason that they should be taking more than 50%. It's, and, I mean, 50% is already And they're charging you to walk through the door. And well, I mean, then they have, like, a, mm-hmm. an understood tip-out percentage so like which is a at least you're not making money yeah so it's i just want to say it call it what it is it's theft and we have to stop it Mm -hmm. definitely and the state of california knows that so these are violation codes that are being broken yeah definitely and we're employees now so we can do something about it and it's up to us to do something about it they're not going to change it no one's stepping up for us it's up to us to get together and do something about it what Mm -hmm. she said the the strip club owners are not going to out of the goodness of their heart be like you know what hmm this is not right (laughs) 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 Hmm, this isn't right maybe we should treat them fairly (laughs) we just have an epiphany one night (laughs) (laughs) no I mean, they have no no economic reason to. And I mean, we still live in this capitalist society and, you know, like we have to pressure them. We have to put labor laws in place because otherwise we're just operating under a system that says, well, we can take more and more from the workers and they'll allow it. So let's just take some more and more. Like, let's see how far we can go with it. Exactly. So what is it going to take for strippers to realize that it's wrong and to do something about it? Oh, God. I mean, it's such a complicated issue. Clover, do you have any thoughts? Let's uncomplicate it. Mm, I don't know, because it's just kind of like, I feel as though there isn't like a moment whenever you're at the club to talk to like other people about it. And I guess for me, I just haven't like found like a community yet. Mm. So I don't know. your community? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, um, for me, I've been at my club for over a year now, like a year and a half approximately. Um, So I'm pretty like friendly with everybody, I think. Part of it is, like we talked about earlier, this kind of buddy-buddy, family-type relationship with management makes people feel indebted to the management, even as, like, we do we do complain. Like, we'll complain in the back, we'll go to the bathroom, complain in the bathroom, things like that. Any kind of, like, space where it's, like, dancers only, um, we do complain. But I think people are afraid. People have kids. Like, you know, every of course, a lot of people have kids. Um, people depend on this job solely like they don't have other workplaces and this provides the bulk of their income so they're afraid of that they're afraid of you know being terminated suddenly for even starting to organize um there's a lot of immigrant workers people who have irregular immigration statuses who are supported in part with their paperwork by the club 
So, mm-hmm. like, the club will be providing, like, uh, green card support or whatever for people. And we have a lot of, like, Eastern Bloc uh, workers, a lot of other Europeans who travel into our club via some agencies that our club collaborates with. Mm-hmm. And so they, our club files the paperwork for them, also helps provide housing. A lot of girls, a lot of the younger girls, especially the most vulnerable, like the poor girls, the girls who are not getting an education at the time, who are not doing side hustles and stuff like that they work or they uh live in the dancer houses yeah do you all have any thoughts on the dancer houses i don't like well that. so let's let's talk about the dancer house yeah. thing really quickly so the yeah. dancer houses there's two different houses there's one for the european dancers and then there's one for the american dancers so the one for the european dancers i've heard nothing about Um, It's very much cloak and daggers type thing. And the European women don't talk very much about their housing situation. Um, I think they maybe do amongst themselves, but not as much with the American girls. Mm -hmm. The American girls have another one, and so it's really kind of fucked. It's actually obviously very, very fucked. So you pay to rent a room. The rent is about 400 a month, but sometimes that rate will fluctuate. Um, So say you are battling some kind of substance abuse and, hey, maybe you pick that up at the club. If you are not able to handle your substance abuse problem, then that could be a reason for them to kick you out of the house without, you know, without any uh, support or anything like that. It's not like they send you to rehab. They're just like, okay, well, we're going to just take away your housing. Um, Also, like, say you act up too much for some reason, they can or quote-unquote act up, then they can just kind of like say, oh, well, this month you need to pay 500 or 600 for this uh, to rent this room. Um, also, they force the dancers that are staying at the house to work a minimum, I think, of like four or five shifts a week. Um, so they are forced to work to live in this place that they say they're getting a discount for. And then on top of that, these the apartments are camera monitored and there is a no visitor per thing, so you can't have overnight guests or anything. Wow. Sorry, that, it's just that's so disturbing. Lot. I'm sorry. It's very disturbing. Yeah, that's yeah. called slavery. That's no, called yeah, it's like jail and trafficking. Situation. Yeah, but that's you painful. had you made a lot of points before that that I would love to share on just because she, no that she, she brought did. into the room that we I think I, I'd like to respond yeah. to, which was. You know, the things, the very real concerns that you brought up that dancers may have as an argument against speaking out. And the first one was everyone has kids. Yeah, all strippers I've ever met, most of them have children. Mm-hmm. What if you had health care and benefits and retirement so that when your kid gets sick, you can go take care of that kid and be able to afford health insurance for that child? Mm. And also, then another thing you brought up was, oh, they don't want to get fired for asking a question about a contract or something. That's called job precarity. Um, and we can change that in a negotiations contract when we unionize. The terms of our employment will change. Any other contract that they made you sign is thrown into the trash, and we negotiate for a new contract. Mm-hmm. And that means that job precarity, shifts worked, and all that stuff, they have to legally come to the table. Not with you personally. You don't have to do this. It's the union. Mm-hmm. Reps go to the table with maybe one shop steward. Like Let's say AM is your shop steward. So she would be a dancer that would be at that table during those negotiations and represent you. But 
all of that stuff is stuff that we negotiate, and you can't do it without a union. They will just fire you. Mm. Um, what was the third thing you brought up? Um, immigration. Mm. I don't know what weird scheme they have going. They're not immigration lawyers. They're strip club owners. Mm. Um, but I will say that um, whatever it is, it sounds incredibly shady. Yeah. Um, but we very much want to, as a sanctuary city, protect uh, immigrant dancers and keep them safe. And, and frankly, those dancer houses... Um, that sounds like an atrocity, and it does mm-hmm. not sound safe. Um, but I think that what we can do is our lawyer who represented us before has a social justice law firm and an immigration section, and she did say that if there were dancers who were interested in talking to her about filing claims like for harassment or anything like that, sexual assault, that they are capable of offering some kind of green card protection. So those are things that, like, once you bring it into the light and really talk about it. These are things that the union and support and legal reps can help with. Yeah. That's all. Did you want to add to any of it? Um, I think those are all excellent points. Um, I'm curious about these agencies that um, house these women. Yeah, so it's not the agencies that house the women. It's like the agencies have a roster of traveling strippers. Yeah, I've come across one of these agencies Mm -hmm. on Instagram, and they're extremely shady, and they lie, and they're making stuff up, and um, I've wanted to investigate them further, and I wonder <laughs> if they're in connection. So, yes. um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, they're, they're saying, like, we're going to put you up in a house near the airport in a gated community, and yeah. that sounds very close to areas of where we're hearing stuff like this happening. Yeah. And also, I'm like, first of all, you think I'm out of the country and you want to put me in a gated community mm. in a house? Uh, I don't think so. And then when I confronted them and was like, oh, you're the same people because they hit me up on a different account. I'm like, you want to put me in a gated community house? They're like, no, we don't do anything like that. And I sent them screenshots. I was like, Mm -hmm. this is exactly what you told me you do. So I'm really curious about that, what's going on there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I am very curious, too. And I, um, I mean, on the one hand, I do think that it is, like, very... um, So a lot of these, the women are being employed and they appreciate, they want to be in these agencies. I think that the method with which they are placing them in housing and the ways that they are putting them, forcing them into this wage slavery is the biggest problem. But I think a lot of the dancers are kind of consensually in these agencies. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing too. Yeah. We have legal resources available. So if you are listening to this and you're in a situation like that, um, is there? Can they contact you or this podcast somehow and get in touch or with us? us. Um, yeah, so you can, um, if you want to get in contact with us. Um, soldiers of Pole, even. Soldiers of Pole. If you, uh, so I'm going to link all of the things on Instagram for getting in touch with Soldiers of Pole and uh, with Am and Antonia. And um, I also, you can email us, us uh, hoeinthenow at gmail.com. It's spelled like the podcast is spelled, so you can definitely... Uh, email and then I can connect you to Soldiers of Poll and they can connect you to legal representation. Um, they have we have lawyers, we have allies, we have legal help. We have meetings. We have resources. What did you say? Just we crazy. have meetings. It's we have meetings. <laughs> We'd love we can to see help. what our meetings. We can get you some resources. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people are standing by. You wouldn't believe how many allies we have and how much support we have. We have more allies than dancers right now. Yeah. Way more, more dancers than dancers. Which is I mean it's amazing but also so sad. We need dancers. We need dancers. So, 
Let's yeah, all say it together. It. Spirit fingers. We need dancers. We need, we need dancers. dancers. Show up. <laughs> okay. All right, Clover, what were you saying? Um, so, like, Lily brought up a point of assault, um, which is, like, something that I've experienced, and I know a lot of people have been assaulted in the club, and it often feels as though there aren't really any, like, things that can back you up for mm-hmm. that. Right. Um, yeah. There's nothing. No. I think, I mean, aside from the way that management handles it, it's also, like, the way that police handle it. Exactly. Police don't take seriously whenever sex workers uh, are assaulted. They don't take consider our um, assaults to be actually assaults because, I mean, one of the biggest things is, like, you know, with, uh, with everything is just, like, you as a sex worker are considered to be working all the time. Like, People think that sex workers are always, you know, doing 24 sex work. 24-7, like 7-Eleven. Yeah, exactly. 7-Eleven. Like, we don't go home and, like, take off our, our wigs and our makeup and hang with our cats. It's like, <laughs> you're always available. You're always, quote-unquote, open for business. And that's why, like, they don't they don't treat it as real. But when Lily's talking about assault, is she talking about by a customer or by management or by both? Because it was if by she's a customer. Talking, okay. This is a huge problem, and this has everything to do with um, negotiating a contract with the union, which would have to do with we get to say have a say in security and who is hired for security and what that means and what that looks like for us. Yeah. And also um, what sexual harassment looks like. I swear, these are things that we negotiate in our contract for union. Here's what sexual harassment is defined as. Yeah. Here's what problem client. Here's what we want to do as dancers about problem clients. Here's right, what right. Dis- like what discrimination looks like. What discrimination looks like that's what we i mean we see Mm -hmm. so much discrimination in this industry like more than in any other industry like that and it's just carte blanche like they have complete ability to just be like well we have too many black girls oh yeah we we don't allow fat girls yeah, we, which is discrimination. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I mean, that's, that's you have a case in New York, it was I had too many tattoos. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been turned away from tattoos <laughs> a million times. Yeah. Yeah, another. But person. tattoos you can cover up, race you can't cover up. Yeah. Right, right. Your image is just completely like curated and yeah. like, you, you're not allowed to do what you want. You have too much hair, too mm-hmm. much body hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't work. What? Yeah, peop- I, I recently, uh, my friend's friend was fired because she had body hair. She had body hair, and then they decided that she was not suited for the job. Wow. I heard about a nude club that um, charges girls if they want to wear a costume on the floor. Yeah. That seems like discrimination to me as well. That's more than discrimination. (laughs) What is that, you think? That is, uh, it's it's close to slavery. Yeah, Um, you have to walk around fully nude or I charge you $60. Yeah, that sounds like sex slavery to me. I think you have a lot of case for that. By costume, you mean like any any costume, bikini, anything? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's hundred percent illegal. There's no way that can be legal. That's slavery and theft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, it's so wrong. And on discrimination. So many because and I mean, would they say that to a man? No. And no. I mean, I think the other thing is like they're just completely ignoring the bodily issues that people with vaginas have. Yeah. Which is like you're gonna have a period. Yeah. If like, you're a person with a vagina, there's certain things that happen. Yeah. There's certain <laughs> things that happen, and like whenever you're on your period and you're forced to work naked. <laughs> Yeah, not like there night. are some real issues. Yeah, at our yes. club, you do have to pay, or like, I, isn't it is, even that they're trying to get it where you can't even pay to put on clothes? No, no, you can't wear clothes. You just can't. Or they even charge opt you, that. or you can't. Or you, you get fired. Can't. You you get fired. Yeah, 
Yeah, you just won't be permitted to work in you the club now because you can only wear clothes on the stage whenever you're stripping them off. It's the uniform, the so, uniform of nudity. <laughs> that cannot be legal. There's no way. I mean, I've never heard of a club that does this prior. So. <laughs> actually, actually, from what I understood when I was stripping, is that. We had to wear gowns on the floor mm -hmm. as part of the law. Yeah. yeah. So I believe what they're doing is by by making them be naked, they're also not only are they violating people's rights and just bodies and comfortability, they're mm -hmm. they're breaking the law. You can't. That's not legal for them to be walking around fully nude on the floor unless I've been lied to in the past which is totally possible that it was against the law to not have a gown on to be mm. covered to a certain degree I would like to see what contract girls are signing walking into this club yeah like, you know, are they signing so some guys, sort of contract if, saying okay I'll be nude no matter what I mean what does that even I look like I have no idea <laughs> I haven't seen the contract updates it's like it's I, if you sign something that says like I understand that I have I understand that I have to be nude in order to like be on the floor, basically. So, so it's an agreement it does to say that yeah. in writing. Yeah, I remember yeah. signing that. So um, I mean, guys, if you're listening and you are, you know, auditioning at clubs, please uh, take pictures of your contracts and consider yes. send them to us. Actually, um, yes, send them to Soldiers of Pull or send them to How in the Know at Gmail. Um, because I would love to start compiling a database of all of the contracts that we're signing so we can see, like, because we can review what labor abuses are going on. We have that um, drive of contracts yeah. uploaded already. We have a ton of contracts, but we need more. And pay stubs, zero pay stubs, voided checks for our employment. We need copies of that as well. You can just delete, take a Sharpie cross out your social, cross out your name, but just take a picture and send it to soldiersofpull at gmail.com so that we can just upload mm -hmm. it. Because so, we have labor lawyers standing by mm -hmm. to help us with this stuff and mm -hmm. figure out um, an, a, a strategy mm -hmm. to go forward. So. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. we definitely need more legalized looking at these things, more people contributing, and also more people just getting fed up with it, not just accepting it. I mean, you know, like we may be happy making something like, you know, like some of us are making like $1,000 a night, but like we should still be advocating. We shouldn't just become complacent because we're making a certain pay grade. We should be advocating for ourselves and expecting more because we're expecting the bare, bare minimum, not even the minimum, below the minimum right now. Yeah, and the people like you and I who can walk into a club and walk with a good amount of money, it doesn't matter if I'm making five grand or 200. If the club is taking half, it's still theft. Yeah. And also the women who are more vulnerable than we are, who don't feel that they can speak up. Exactly. We should do it for them. So don't just think about yourself. Yeah. Think about the person who's way too frightened, your uh, Eastern Bloc girls and yeah. the uh, Latinas with um, vulnerable immigration status or whatever. Like they may not be able to say anything but think of them don't just think of yourself yeah. and really take you want to take care of the baby stripper coming in and the injured vet who doesn't have workers comp yeah. that's why we need to change things for everyone mm -hmm. not just yourself definitely mm -hmm. I mean there's just like a million things that we should expect as laborers and that we've just been conditioned not to that we've just been we've just kind of come to expect that we're going to be treated like shit. <laughs> yeah, and when you and you get used to it. Oh, the way that they say whenever um like 
oh, you, you have to work completely naked, but that's why you get, like, a free meal with your shift, because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yay, they're feeding that logic. for them. That logic makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Here's a pizza. Take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like that's probably the same reason why they take, like, 51% of our dance prices is because they're like, oh, well, we're feeding you. I'm like no, well, it makes well, no sense. That makes you guys. no sense. Yeah, that that meal I could buy like way I cheaper. Could, exactly, I could pay eight dollars or even fucking fourteen dollars for one meal and take fifty percent and be coming out with like hundreds more. You know, at the end of the night, it's just fucking yeah. crazy. It's. I mean, what what is it going to take exactly? I wonder. I mean, because you know, you're saying things and it's this cumulative horrible feeling, and I feel totally sick right now yeah. hearing yeah. about all of this and. um you know, I, I will say that, like, you, we've all bought the lie of, like, that you're just an individual out there making your 500. It's like, it's a lie. Like, the thing that worked at the Lusty is we really were connected to each other as friends. Mm-hmm. And you really need to connect with your coworkers as friends and care yeah. about them and care about yourself. And you have to do it now because if not now, when? Yeah. Yeah, it's already gotten to this point. Imagine if we continue to do nothing, what will happen a year or two years, three years from now? Yeah, I mean, that's very true. Because Antonia and I have been dancing for a while, and I've been watching the progression of this downhill trajectory Mm -hmm. happening from about 2003. And Mm -hmm. I was starting to say stuff about what was really happening in the clubs in about 2007. And nobody was listening to me. I was Mm -hmm. getting bleeped out on the radio. I was getting cut off on the radio talking about these issues that are happening. Um, And even with my coworkers trying to talk about how we were being treated and asking my coworkers to take a stand with me, nobody wanted to listen. And Mm -hmm. so over the years, this has just gotten worse and worse and worse. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm tired of nobody listening. I'm going to be as loud as I can. And I think one of the ways that we get people to like join this is just to continue talking. Don't give up talking be persistent because persistence is where you find breakthroughs it's true just have to keep going and keep showing up like this is the second podcast i've done today Mm -hmm. like i'm not eating because i'm trying to get people to listen to this yeah i think that's how we get people to show up is just keep talking keep talking yeah can you both kind of talk about soldiers of pole yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess we should. Yeah, let's so, define um, what this is. <laughs> right when um, you know Sesta Fafsta passed, and it made being a woman sex worker and a trans person sex worker illegal more than it has in a very long time. Um, my friends' Instagram handles were being seized by the FBI. Their websites were being shut down. Yeah. Anything that was remotely related to adult entertainment was completely shut down and went black. And that was a place where Backpage is a place where people advertised and it was also a place where some bad things were going on as well. But it was also our main place where people advertised. Yeah, and so that was shut and down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so at one of the meetings for SWAP, Sex Worker Outreach Project, was it's a December seventeenth Uh, event where we name all the names of the sex workers who have been murdered that year. Mm. And the list of murdered names that we had a candlelit vigil for were six times more than prior to the passing of Sesta Fafsta. Okay, but like, let's just take a fucking second. Six fucking times higher than Sesta and Fafsta Particularly trans women of color. Yeah. Um, I mean, trans women of color are always the first yep. to feel... Six times more. So it makes it so that sex workers are back in the street in dangerous conditions. Mm-hmm. 
and unable to screen clients like they were. Mm-hmm. And it's super dangerous. Yeah. So that said, we were also, the dynamics decision was passing. And so we were like, we should unionize. We're going to be employees. Let's do this. And so I just came up with Soldiers of Pole, actually, because um, I'm filming a doc, I'm directing a documentary uh, called Soldiers of Pole about our union effort. And I needed to um, call myself something um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because APAC is an organization, Adult Performers Action Coalition, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm in touch with them and they're allies of ours, but they're for the adult industry. They're for recorded entertainers and I'm not. and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not in the, I'm not a recorded entertainer. I'm a live show. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was bugging them and bugging them like, hey, can I join? I know I'm a stripper, but I, can I be with you guys? Uh-huh. And like, I was like, gosh, Dan, we don't have a place for strippers. Like, where's right. our place? What right. do I call myself? And so I was like, hmm, APAC, hmm, soldiers of pole, SOP. Because, like, you know how workers have their, like, instrument, like a hammer or a tool belt, like they have their, mm-hmm. ours is a pole. Yeah. Like, that's our instrument at work. So yeah. I was like, soldiers of pole, SOP. And so I just informally started to, like, take that uh, name, and then I trademarked it later. But um, then I, there were some dancers who were interested in organizing, and we decided to call it SOP, Soldiers of Pole, for strippers to talk about our workforce and to start unionizing. So then we started having meetings online called Strip Talk. Actually, you know, what was funny is that um, we met in person at the use at um, uh, ACLU, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be for strippers. I called it Strip Talk. But all of these sex workers came mm-hmm. out, and it was so incredible. Wow. And everyone was crying and really upset because of Sesta Fafsta. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? Let's have an International Whore Day march. And so we did. I was just thinking stripper parade. Like, that was mm-hmm. my big dream. But I was like, no, let's just have a sex worker march. Yeah. And so we actually did. And so it's really important There's to, like, keep the lines of communication open. Yeah. That was really good Just day. to keep the communication lines open. And yeah. sex workers and strippers to join together and do mm-hmm. stuff together. So... Um, that's how we started, and we're still doing it. We started online, and some people started showing up to the online strip talk, mm-hmm. and then we realized that we needed to do more uh, in-person things and started getting some media attention and started yeah. filming, and we're still in the process of like education building mm-hmm. and building our um, campaign to strengthen it. And doing things like this, you know, it's a yeah. lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. I mean, we well, need help. We, we do need leaders. Help. We it's need just you all. Right now, it's um, <laughs> Anthony and I, and and a couple of other amazing people on our team. But we need yeah. a larger team for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, that's how we started. So you yeah. said it's it's YouTube, but who else shows up to these meetings? I mean, you said. Um, other sex workers from different fields. And you said um, also so you have some legal people, some ACLU people. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say? Yeah, say? we have um, legal um, legal people that show up. We have two different lawyers that come into the room. And then we have um, union allies that come into the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have other types of uh, labor force organizers come mm-hmm. to the room. Um, and we have people that will watch your kids we have, so we have free, free childcare, child and we have donuts. Care, yes. We have donuts. <laughs> we bring donuts. We bring coffee, um, and then you know we have some dancers show up, but not enough. And one, uh, one meeting we had some French journalists who are a friend of mine mm-hmm. come because um, they're interested in doing a story for us in some French publications, mm-hmm. and um, you know so we've really gotten a lot of attention, especially from the media, almost too much <laughs> at this yeah. point because um, we need less media and more strippers. We need less media and more yeah. strippers for sure 
for sure. Yeah. So because who can speak better for strippers on strippers? Themselves. Right. Exactly. And we're we're all. <laughs> You know, I hate to use this word, educated, but we're intelligent and we speak well and we write well. We're journalists, too. And um, one of the things that we've been um, talking about is asking journalists to pass the mic and have us write the stories and us get paid to write the stories instead of them take the information Mm. from us for free and regurgitate it in their own words and get paid however hundreds of thousands of dollars a year they're getting paid while we're struggling, trying to work for everybody. And then we're giving these journalists our information for free. And like, that's not happening anymore. It's like, and I don't care how big your publication is anymore Mm -hmm. i mean we're getting hit up by huge publications like big and we're like no "No, you're not writing the story we are or goodbye that's what's happening now yeah Yeah. unless they're a woman of color and they're queer we're not meeting with you and it's because every single time i we have this past the mic conversation which has to do with like we have incredible sex workers who are more than willing and more than capable of writing this article would you be willing to we're tired of being gazed upon as dancers we're used to being looked at we're used to being penetrated we're used to being when i say penetrated i mean the gaze like i mean even actually even interviewed filmed interviewed filmed um, yeah exactly yeah so we need to like we want to take these narratives ourselves and how you can support us is let us write it ourselves right let Selena write an article and we will yeah. do it together like and let us get paid because it's not like you know they don't recognize me and not let me work at strip clubs right now so we're all struggling here oh yeah I have on. fear of that even if I was capable of actually wearing shoes for six hours at a time oh, God, yeah. I'm like because they're checking our Instagram handles yep. now so I'm like if they're gonna check my Instagram handle they're gonna find out mm-hmm. that they shouldn't hire me because I'm gonna You're a threat steal to the all of their information write it down and report back oh I'm gonna upload <laughs> you know, the contract so I can't get a job at a strip club even if I wanted to even Uh if I was physically capable I doubt I could get hired at many places right now yeah I mean it's like you're obviously in a terrible situation and you were put there because of these injustices yes so that's uh, I'm glad you brought that up because we are not talking to any cis white male journalists anymore Uh, we are asking them to pass the mic yeah yeah and just let us create our own media yeah definitely I mean one of the best interviews that I saw was by to wrap our historical hoe again, Janet Mock. Yes. Because she does segments about sex work talking to sex workers. Right. And because she's her. a sex worker herself, like it could not get any better. And that's really what we need the coverage of sex work to be. Like, I feel as though nobody should be covering hustlers unless you're a hustler yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a sex worker mm-hmm. in any form, like you should not be commenting about this because you yes. have literally no idea. Yep. And that's the biggest problem yeah. with the coverage of this. Yeah. That's why we're glad we're they here with know. you. AM, yeah. what did you what do you have to say about well, it? Well, I just called into the one A show on NPR last week and oh, there were yeah. like experts talking about and I'm using air quotes when I say experts for those of you who can't see me, um talking about like oh, I'm an expert in sex work and then they were using the P word the whole time and they Whoa. were trying to differentiate between um, a stripper sex worker and versus a full service sex, sex worker and she was using the word prostitute and saying well this is how you differentiate them from one another and I'm I was like furiously writing an email <laughs> while I was waiting online saying your sex work expert knows nothing why mm-hmm. are you even trying to differentiate we don't talk to each other that way we don't put each other in your in a box 
box like the rest of you are. And they're all talking about how great the angles were of the Hustler movie and how great the intimate moments between the dancers were. And then they were fascinated by how the director of the movie humanized the dancers. And I'm like, oh, go <laughs> figure. We're actually human figure, beings. Humans. Oh, thank you for humanizing Humans yeah. working jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I actually had, I was able to get through onto the show and they asked me some questions and I kind of really set the record straight with them. You um, did. You did great. Yeah. And and it just, it's infuriating because all of these people are, that know nothing about us are reviewing the movie and they're yeah. talking about J-Lo winning an award for this. Mm-hmm. And so and to, to, on top of that, I had Yahoo Lifestyle reach out to me, um, a journalist, and was like, what do you think about J-Lo's performance on the poll? Mm-hmm. She's saying that she's like great on the poll now. And I was like, listen, J-Lo, she looks good on the poll. Big surprise. She has a background in dance. I mean, not really, You though, know what? Like, Make J-Lo honest. be... Up to par with our skills, if she really wants to be like us, is to stand up for us. Because while she's being celebrated, the rest of us are being silenced and blocked. And the hypocrisy of this is ludicrous. It is. Yeah. I just wrote an article about it. I did see Hustlers, and I support everything AM just said right now. Um, and in the article, I completely critiqued and unpacked the atrocities happening in the movie, even though I love JLo and I love Duran Selena. And um, I still love her. It doesn't matter. Um, it is a very pretty wrapped up package where essentially strippers are drugging, date rape drugging and robbing people blind. And that is supposed to be some sort of poetic justice. And it does not even out any kind of score. It's actually a really crude thing and it's a very ugly thing and the biggest thing too is also like they're targeting the wrong people i think we talked about this earlier too is like you know they're saying that the people who were taking advantage of the girls or the customers and that's not the case that's not the case and also um back to what am was saying about the pole dancing i wrote an article (laughs) and i'm looking to place it right now but every and i didn't i wasn't mean in my article about the pole dancing but i will say with you in this room that Mm. i and other 50 strippers that I see on a regular basis dance all the time were acres above any of the dancers in that movie. And it was so sad to me because, I mean, I love pole dancing. It's an aerodynamic art form. It is so beautiful and it's so amazing. And it is such an incredible art form. And I just felt that they didn't give it justice in the film. Oh my God. No, it was very bad. It's crazy because, like, they have, I don't know, they could have hired, like, Strippers. They could have hired strippers. Well, the strippers asked to be hired. They did. They asked to be hired. And they said no. And they took over the club and didn't pay the dancers. And they lost thousands of dollars in wages for that club being closed during the filming of that. Guess why not? Because they're not employees. They're not employees. Exactly. (laughs) And that's why they have no rights to say, hey, you took our money from us. You can't just do that. Yeah. Right. You have to pay us. Right. And one of the comments about on the the show, that uh, the 1A show, was like, somebody said something about how great it was how they made the movie like the making of the movie is so interesting and fantastic it's like oh really is it so is it interesting that you stole money out of workers pockets and did Mm. nothing to compensate them and Mm -hmm. did nothing to talk about them you're not even everyone's talking about this there's talking about themselves performances Mm -hmm. you're not talking about the people you hurt in the process and then you're touting this as an amazing production Mm. and if j-lo really cared i mean who would she care about first? She would care about the workers, the people that the story is about. You would think. You, you would think. think. You and would also, think. they're saying, oh, it's so great that women produced and directed this and starred We're in it. We're supposed to be well, liking it, this film. What a minimum bar line. Yeah, what is a terrible. low bar. Right. It's a low bar. And you're <laughs> women hurting women, and you're, you're, and everyone's like, isn't this great? It's women yeah. doing stuff. It's like, it's women hurting women. 
the whole film is about cajoling sure. you into believing and being mesmerized by Cardi B, who's amazing in the film, and Lizzo, who's amazing in the film. Yeah. At the same time, it's it's a stink bomb of a story that's further stigmatized strippers and doesn't help them in any way, and even also, though yeah. it's written by a woman. And further, like, separated, like, people who do perform full service and all of that. I think like, so. I think it's, it's divide. It's a divisive I mean, you don't story. see any physical lap dances. Like, people are off the knee, like, giving lap dances and stuff like that. There's no full, like, real full nudity. Like, you see, like, an occasional naked body, but it's like a lap dance doesn't look like what a lap dance is. People dance in front of the people. It's just like this very like cleaned up. It's a pose. Oh, so it's a pose. Not, I haven't seen it. It's they're not pose. contact. They're not really in not contact. Much. No, no. J Lo mm. never really well, never gets real. on anybody. There's <laughs> yeah. no like it's titty sucking. <laughs> There's no <laughs> the real you know the, real lap the reality of real. the dance. <laughs> it's yeah. more yeah. like a virtual reality lap dance. <laughs> exactly. It's like this is what a lap dance would look like if you've never given a lap dance before. But silver lining, because I'm a silver lining girl. Okay, silver lining. <laughs> um, it did bring in 33 over 33 mil in the first weekend, and so I am gonna say that I hope that this opens more doors to sex worker stories and stripper stories that are more authentic, that are more about coalition building, that are more realistic in terms of who we are and what we do and what we're about. And I just hope that it opens more doors for us. I think the market will will allow it. I think that there's also like a big controversy too around it because like the the original text that was written, um, like did you did you catch up on that story, how it progressed? The Jessica Pressler article? I think so, on entertainment or E. Um, I don't know if you're talking about the article or if you're talking about something else. The artic- this, the movie was based on an article by Jessica Pressler. And are you talking uh, about that or are you talking about... Um, no, so I'm talking about... So the, the people that it was based upon uh, later followed up with an entertainment weekly or something entertainment article. And they said uh, they were very um, offended that mm. they were that the people like J Lo and um, Constance, who played uh, Ramona and Destiny, mm-hmm. um, that they were portrayed as strippers because they were not in fact strippers. Right, I they heard were, that. Oh, that's too. interesting. They I worked at the club, um, and they high they kind of essentially were just on a pimp game. Right. So they pimped out other dancers, took their bottom line and like facilitated the drugging and robbing of the customers. Yeah. But they were not actually sex workers themselves and they even mm-hmm. say that they wouldn't degrade themselves or do something so dehumanizing personally. Wow. As a se- to be a sex worker? Yeah, that's what they said straight about that. Okay. So wow. the, the w- women that are portrayed as like the lead characters in it. And uh, they also later on hired full-service sex workers that they also used the term, the P word they used, they called them prostitutes, and said that they did the dirty work because they weren't going to do the dirty work. Wait, so wow. the main characters were not actually... No, they were not strippers. They worked at the club. They did. I think they did some other uh, adjacent jobs there. Wow. Interesting. So that's the real story. So that's the oh, real that's story. Yeah. I knew so they weren't strippers oh, at the time. I I had had the thought based on not obvious, clear evidence that you had access to, but I had had the thought that they maybe were strippers and, but weren't stripping at the time. Mm. But I didn't realize that they weren't even, like they never ever had, which makes it even worse and worse for strippers because this entire movie is about strippers 
doing the things that it's about stripper culture right yeah. right and, and so, it's just yeah. a complete farce so it's this criminal element dressed as stripping that is never really even stripping but of course but, they had wow. strippers do it because yeah. that's what everyone thinks of us already yeah so of course it, it was furthers us that the stigma it. not a single stripper like profited off of the making of this movie is what it sounds like then. i mean jack well, the stripper jack did. did yeah jack, jack, jack was a consultant yeah that's one out of like this like yeah Giant. And there's another girl too. There was one other, recognized. yeah. There was one other. The blonde girl. Lily said three three strippers were hired in total. Yeah, yeah. something like. And I'm I mean, grateful. I, and and the thing, what I would say about that is, I'm really happy that they did hire somebody because yeah. they were gonna make this movie with or without any sort of stripper consulting. And it's better that someone at least did than ha- had nothing because it could have yeah. been much worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there was nobody that is. stepped up. And so for anyone who's like mad at whoever did profit off of this it's like well we we had an opportunity to have a voice on the inside and without jack stepping up and doing that we wouldn't have had that opportunity yep. do i agree with everything i'm not really sure yet i don't know all the moving parts and i think that w- if you don't know everything that you know because she had a lot of people came down on her for that and it, it was going to be either one of us or none of us. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So which would we have rather have? And one movie is not going to solve all the problems happening right. in the adult industry. And I think that it's a really tense time yeah. for strippers particularly and for sex workers at large. Um, and we cannot like blame one person, particularly Jack the Stripper, the one authentic piece or one of few um, for the problems that uh, the reasons for our tense situation in California and other places like we can't make this movie solve all of our problems. Now, yeah. do you have to be happy that the movie was made and what it's done? Absolutely not. I'm kind of surprised it's getting so many positive reviews. Yeah, I wrote a pretty scathing one. I'm I mean, looking I'm for still it. su- it's getting a positive. I'm surprised re- families are out there watching it. Well, that's, we so that's what I think is great about it. It's just actually creating a larger conversation. Yeah, it is. And without this movie, we wouldn't have as much of a noisy platform. Like, one of the biggest yeah, reasons true. that media is reaching out to us so much is because of this Hustlers, movie. Yeah. You know? And it's creating this conversation which is really good. And the yeah. people who are giving it rave reviews are people who know nothing about what we do. It's true. They know nothing. Yeah. And I've seen a couple of articles come out that are starting to touch on the real issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I've seen an article that says, strippers that you know worked at the Hustler movie oh, club yeah, lost yeah. thousands of yeah. dollars so it is starting to come out a little bit more and we're just in the beginning like yeah this is the beginning give us phase. another couple months people are going to know more yeah. plus i mean but yeah. we need to take this moment to really tell people what is really going on in the clubs and how they can support us yeah, yeah definitely moving yeah forward. And, and then i had that opportunity on the a1 show the other day to mm-hmm. be able to say like uh, that's great that her she did well in the movie, but did you know how much money are, is getting stolen from dancers? And they were genuinely curious and asked a lot of questions. I think they don't know. They, yeah. they don't. Yeah, they don't. They truly don't because they're they don't care. Yeah, They've never thought to inge- investigate it as like a as a labor movement issue. They're leaving us. They're completely casting us aside. Yeah, and I mean, and also I want to say about L.A. Times um, that they ran an article by Stormy Daniels when Dynamics passed. And she is working on payroll for Deja Vu, the worst offender. Mm. And she is pro-independent contractor and knows nothing and is basically a Republican and is only looking out for herself and her own interests. And I pitched an AB5 article that was from the other side and LA Times didn't take it. So shame on you, Los Angeles Times. Mm. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Snaps to that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. um, So thank you so much for uh, coming on. Where can we find you? Online. You can find us at soldiersofpole.com. You can email us at soldiersofpole at gmail.com. 
You can find us on Instagram at soldiers low underscore of underscore poll underscore. Beautiful. Um, I am uh, Selena the Stripper. You can follow me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can support this effort to bring conversations uh, between sex workers and information out to everybody uh, by donating to our Patreon uh, at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. Everything goes to renting the studio and paying for editing. So please help keep this alive. Nice. Um, and you can find me, I guess, but not exactly, because <laughs> I still haven't posted in all the months that I've had this account, but little underscore four leaf, and the four is an, a number, not the spelled out <laughs> on Instagram, and that's it. Um, but let me know what you want me to post. Maybe I should post some, like, funny things. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and that's been an episode of How in the Know. More money, I want your money, I want more money, 